This is a test of the Boundary Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean and Andy Alliwell. All right, Andy Alliwell. All right, Matt Dean. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, mate? You all right? Uh, Well, I mean, you know, I've been better after today's result. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we've got two guests, two debutants. We've got Alan, Alan Fitton, who is known on Owen the Blues as Disjointed from Middleton. How are you doing, Alan? I'm good. And good, good evening to you, Matt. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, mate. Good evening, good evening. And fro- also via Owen the Blues, but very much of the tangerine variety from uh, Blackpool, from Blackpool Supporters Trust. You might know him as Basil Robbie. It's Robbie Whitaker. How are you, Robbie? Good evening. Hello, everybody. Hello. Evening. It's good to have you on, mate. It's good to have you on. Uh, we we have Robbie on because um, we've reached out to Robbie via our own supporters trust and found him to be extremely helpful. The comments that that that, that you leave Robbie on our, on, you know, on the forum with regards to you know, the podcast and and uh, what's going on at the club are always really really. It's a really great perspective, uh, and you always give some really really good points. And obviously, it's much more objective than it is from the point of view of a Latics fan. So um, we thought we'd um, we'd have you on and, and and give the benefit of your insights to our to our listeners as well. So you're very welcome. Well, well, thanks very much. It's it's always a risky risky business posted on somebody else's website, and uh, I'm I'm glad you think that the balance is about right. It's um it's it's a very interesting time for your club, and it's um a bit difficult to stay away at the moment. Well, we'll come yeah. we'll come back in a little bit later to the sort of bigger picture and um, the sort of you know how you perceive that. I think it's I think it's interesting at this point to get that kind of wider, broader view. Um because obviously we're in a bit of a, an echo chamber in terms of our Latics fans and Latics social media and whatnot. But let's concentrate on what's happened this afternoon first and foremost against Mansfield. Did the football phone in last night, had a Mansfield fan on um the stadium announcer. He'd been a been the stadium announcer for I think thirty years at Mansfield. You know, they, they're a club that I've been in and out of the non-league, you know, not not any great shakes in terms of sort of legacy, but they're pushing for promotion. We're fighting for relegation. Going into the game today, they were the favourites. We were winning at half time, but lo and behold, six minutes of injury time and we lose the game 2-1. It's just, it's desperate, isn't it, lads? It was just inevitable it was going to happen. I was listening to the commentary uh, throughout the afternoon and it sounded like we played well in the first half to me. Um, uh, I, I was looking on social media for a bit of reaction, and it, it looked like we'd, you know, we could have gone in maybe two, three goals to the good. From what look, I, from Andy, what... I think Mansfield didn't really turn up in the first half, and you know we played pretty well compared to what we yeah. have been playing. Uh, and I was saying to people at our time, I hope Mansfield don't turn up in second half, but unfortunately they did. Well, it's it's the same pattern that's happened before. So I mean, all all the games recently, you know, um, Crawley away. Holchester away, Swindon away, Carlisle at home. <laughs> like we've we've competed in the first half, and then the second half we just run out of steam. You know, it almost looks like some of the some of the players we got are not fit enough. They're just not they're just not good enough. In, in, in all honesty, and and that's part of the, that's part of the problem. You know, I I could hear I could I could hear uh, the audible boos on the commentary when Nicky Adams was taken off in the second half, which did. Seemed like a curious decision when Bahambula's being utterly ineffective again. And Mansfield had worked out, hadn't they, that, that bombing down our left flank was their route in because Kuto is just getting overrun. I don't know when he was going to change it up. I was making an assumption that he was going to reorganise that to try and shore us up a bit. So maybe he even played Nicky Adams at fullback. And then when he pulled Nicky, when he hooked Nicky Adams, I was like crying out loud. So yeah. I could hear the audible boos. Well, Chez sees it differently, and who am I to criticise a man that has uh, that's got a, you know for us a great track record as a manager? And, I, and I'm, I just think he's just trying to stick you know round pegs in square holes and vice versa, and that's just part of part of the problem, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. It was you know going a goal up, keeping it at half time. For me, I was just thinking 
we need to break this cycle of of defeats, five defeats on the bounce. If we can get a point, I was thinking <laughs> literally just before Mansfield scored, you know, it won't be too bad. We we can you feel like you're building again then, don't you? And then that goal goes in. And again, it was just a soft goal. There's no point like focusing on the micro issues of these things. You know, was a shed substitution right? Was it wrong? Should they've done this? Should they've done that? The point of the matter is the squad that we've got is not good enough. It's Painly obvious it's not good enough because we're in the bottom two. We have been in the bottom two of this division for most of the season. You can't make diff- proper uh, changes off the bench. Dylan Bahambula is not fit enough. The, the players that we have got that are good. Dylan, uh, Davis Keeler done. ran his socks off today. He really worked hard. Some of the players out there are working hard, but they're just not good enough and there's not enough strength in depth. And it's not their fault. It's not Shez's fault. It's not Salim's fault. It's not... Keith Curl's fault, it's Abdallah's fault, it's Mohammed's fault. It's as simple as that. So there's that's that's the issue. Uh, and unfortunately, we are all suffering. Uh, and the club is suffering, the town is suffering. What's your take on it all, Alan? Well, I've uh, not been ascending for a while now. It's uh, what, what Jan- January 2019, I had a season ticket and I, I gave it away. It was. Uh, I, I can only apologise to the lad I gave it to, although he did he did buy me twelve tins of ale for it, so I got the better end of the deal. But um, thanks, Andy. By the way, if not Andy Alliwell, Andy Davison. Uh, I think I, when Abdallah came in, I mean, I was talking to Andy Alliwell just as he the start of the Lemsigan rain, back end of the, it was a behind the Rochdale Road end, and Andy. It stuck with me what Andy said. He said, what connection has Abdullah Lemsangan to Oldham, to Oldham, to Oldham Athletic, to the town of Oldham? I think it's become painfully obvious. He is, is nothing, is nothing he wants to do with Oldham. He bought it as a vanity project for his brother. His brother is part of the problem. Well, he's the main part of the problem. I decided not to go until Barry Owen and Mohammed had gone. Once he got rid of Barry, I thought, well, we're on the way there. This is, we could be going back here. But Mohammed is still there, although he hasn't been around much. And then just recently, it looks like Barry's put himself back in the picture again. I don't know what's to make of that. I don't know whether that's to do with the legal issues ongoing. But but no, I'm not. I went back once for the uh, Pack the Park, what PTB organised. PTB said they were taking the boycott away or advising people not to boycott. But I decided, no, I can't go back until there's a change of ownership at the club. That's where I'm at. Well, I think that that was one of the reasons that we invited you on, Alan, wasn't it? Is is on Owen the Blues, where you know, you're quite sort of prevalent in terms of your contributions. It was quite noted, that, from my perspective at least, that you had gone with a very, very firm opinion that you were not returning to the club until the Lemsergams had gone. That was it. And yeah. even and a lot of people, you know, when when we were all on the podcast and our and from Push the Boundary and the Foundation saying, Okay, let's get back in the ground. Sheridan's here, he said he's gonna sell. You said, I don't believe him, I'm not I'm not I'm not going back until he's gone. Uh you you, you were you know, and I, and 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 I thought that was worthwhile getting you on to share that point of view. And, and are you still adamant you're not going back until these guys are out of town? I'm not going back till these guys are out of town. It, it hurts, but sometimes you think, especially when as soon as the Sheridan came back and they were winning and the atmosphere and everything. You you know, you read about it, you see videos of it, but it's no, I, I am not going back until the Lemson Guns have gone. Yeah, I will be back. And, and that, I, I, I recall that conversation you and I had behind uh, the Roxdale Road, and I, and I can't remember what game it was, but it was it was the year we got relegated from League One, wasn't it? Uh, it, it was, was yeah. That season, yeah. It, in effect, Lemsgam's first season. I remember that conversation. The thing, the context behind that conversation you and I were having was, I wanted to know what his motives were. I was unsatisfied with his motives because in the interviews that he'd given, the sparing interviews that he'd given in his very early sort of time about, you know, taking up, buying the football club, it, that he never answered the question. It, it was, uh, I love football. I fell in love with Oldham when I came to, you know, I'm like, I, I don't believe it. 
you, you, I don't believe it. <laughs> you don't you don't fall in love with Oldham as a as a you know forty year old man. You fall in love with with Latics when you're eight or nine, stood on the chaddy end or something. That that's that's when you do it. You don't do that then. It wasn't. It, I didn't believe what he was telling me. So what I wanted to understand was what motivates this man on face value a successful businessman who is North African Moroccan and lives in Dubai. So two lovely warm climates. <laughs> what, it was what lovely was, about your part today, Andy. Well, very rare, very rarely. But sorry, sorry to cut you off there. But just to make a point, it was beautiful at Boundary Park today. But there was no directors present again. We don't. Adam Morley, you're not there. Mohammed's not there. Abdallah's not there. Obviously, we know Richard Bordham's left. Barry's been sacked. So there's no, no. directors at the club. Yeah, I, I mean, but then I mean, we're gonna go. We're gonna go full full circle to sort of conversation about are they therefore genuinely preparing to sell? Because if they are, then I, I mean, I'm not bothered. They're not there. <laughs> no, I'm not bothered. They're not there either. But it's it's just it's not it's not professional, is it? It's not good, is it? I mean, Mansfield's uh, who are Mansfield? Is it is it Chaddy the Owl? What welcomes uh, visiting directors <laughs> and and all that? Like, <laughs> what's, what's yeah, the story? It's it's going yeah. to be it's going to be Steve, isn't it? It's going to be um, the who's going to be who's going to be doing the the the, the entertaining. But we, I mean, you know, we repeat ourselves from from previous episodes. Steve Brown was welcoming the, the Wigan contingent in a pair of like scruffy jeans and a jumper. Which, which That's posh in Wigan, though, isn't it? We know that we said that at the time. <laughs> yeah, we said that at the time. We're repeating ourselves, <laughs> and, then, and then and then you've got and then you've got the secretary who's a tramway fan going in the away end. The unprofessionalism literally runs deep through the whole organisation, which is set from the top. I mean, yeah. it sounds sounds harsh that because I bet there are some really really good people in that business working their working their nuts off who are I'm very. Yeah. So so I, I need to just clear that up, but. But from the top down, there's there's no there's just no sort of context thing. But yeah, to, the reason we had that, that conversation disjointed, and I had our, I call him disjointed because that's what I know him as. That conversation we had was about understanding what his motives were back then, and I don't think I don't think those motives have ever truly been answered. I guess the reason the reason why I thought it might be worth just going through that conversation is if we get and if we are lucky enough, touch wood, <laughs> to find ourselves with new competent owners in the future. One of the questions we have to ask them before they become owners is, "What is your motive?" <laughs> I think is you know the plan. Yeah, well, if if you're if you're a dyed in the wool Latics fan from birth, you know pretty much, and you've made good in your life. Well, look at Blackpool. Blackpool's owner Sadler is a Blackpool lad. He's he's done well in his life, but he's from Blackpool. So he he there's a connection to the town. He, I, the motive is clear. It, it, it barely needs even an explanation. Right? Chris and Lee's. Say again, <coughs> Chris, Chris Lee's. Lee's. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, then, but then we had Chris Lee's on, and then interviewed him to work out that the man was that, that, that the man was a fantasist. And presumably, if if I had a conversation with Mister Sadler from Blackpool, he would he would present himself very well. So you you, you would you would therefore yeah, big difference. Yeah, he do, he doesn't necessarily. You know, I want to be clear here as well because this sounds like you could read into this some some form of like you know patriotism, regionalism, nationalism. I don't care what the what the what the national you know I don't care where the, where the owner is from what what country they're from what nationality they are that that's not really of an interest to me. I just want to be clear on what the motivation is. Why is it that an individual would want to purchase a football club? You know, and we can all talk about why Abramovich bought Chelsea and why you know the Abu Dhabi family owned Manchester City. That there are there are there are reasons that that they want to do that. It's not just for the fun of it, but. Um, we we need to understand that at some point in the future. I think. So anyway, I think that's I a very we'll be... very a very good point in the podcast to bring uh, Robbie in because you know you mentioned Blackpool, you mentioned the motives for owners. Obviously, the struggle that Blackpool had. We had Christine on from Blackpool's Trust to tell us all about that uh, earlier on in the was it, I don't whether it was this season or last season. Now I can't remember. But Robbie, you've been through the mill with the Oystons. You are now looking on, I guess, not just to Oldham, but other clubs that are in those kind of situations with a, a different perspective, a different empathy for for teams like Oldham at the minute. Um, what's your take on what's going on at Boundary Park from, from your perspective? I think the genesis of the problems that you're having now goes back a long way. 
And I was very struck by a podcast that I listened to that you did probably three, four months ago now, when, if you remember, Andy went through all the vacancies at the club, all the positions that should be filled but weren't. And to me, it was just very resonant with the, the Oyston era when you got the Im- impression that it was a combination of, of incompetence and neglect, really, that not only were people not doing the right things, they just they couldn't be bothered to find out what the right things were. And if there were good people in the club, there weren't enough of them. And and that, to me, sounds very much like Blackpool, sort of 2013 to 2017, really. That was pretty much what was going on at our club. And eventually it manifests itself on the pitch, doesn't it? So you, you end up with a squad of players that isn't good enough, who compete manfully in games for 50, 60, 70 minutes, but you know very often end up bowing to the inevitable because they're not good enough. Uh, and that, to me, is... It's no accident that you're losing lots of games very late on. You know, it's it all culminates in that for me. The, if if the, if the off the field side of things isn't right, eventually you pay a price on the field, and that's what you're doing at the moment. I think absolutely. I think one of the most interesting and relevant similarities, I suppose, and this is this is across all football clubs that are in these kind of problems. But I know that your fans had that divide, didn't they? It was, it was very much, there were, there were people who would consider, consider, wouldn't consider going like Alan, not going to spend another penny. And then there was, the, there were the fans that, that would go continuously regardless. What was, what was your take at Black, uh, you know, and what was your stance at Blackpool as, as, as a member of the, of the trust and as a fan, Robbie, at that time when it was, you know, when fans were, were very much split on, whether they should or shouldn't go and attend and support the team? Well, I've, I've supported the club since 1968 and I had my first season ticket in 1970-71 and I have had one on and off ever since, you know, albeit not so much in the 80s when I was away at university. But I moved to London in 1990 and I continued to, to attend every game all the way up to the end of the two-for-one two season ticket deal where the club sold two season tickets for the price of one when Jose Rigo was the manager of the club. But it, it became very clear in that two seasons that, you know, whatever my aspirations for the club were, were you know, the, the club didn't share them. And so I, I gave up my season ticket at the end of 2015. Now, I was probably a year behind most people, as much as 18 months or more behind some people. And I was very reluctant to do it, you know, because going to a game... When you follow a team from London, like I do, you know, it's the game is an event and an occasion, you know, and it was very, very difficult to give it up. But in the end, I, I just decided that I had to throw my, my lot in wholeheartedly with the trust. I was already active with the trust in 2015, but I got a lot more active thereafter. And it was heartbreaking, really. But I think, you know, we were very lucky in the sense that under the stewardship of, lead, of, of Christine, we managed to persuade getting on for 90% of our fan base to walk away. And I think you need that kind of critical mass to make it stick. And doing that is very, very difficult. In some ways, it's easy to get to 40, 50, 60%, but it's just actually tipping it over the edge to the point where almost no one is going. That is the difficult bit. And one of the good things that has come out of this this year from an olden perspective, you know, seen from where I sit, is that you do, you do seem to have galvanised a much greater proportion of the support this season than you'd managed when I first started listening to this podcast getting on for a year ago. And I guess that, you know, if, if nothing changes between now and the end of the season, you know, whatever division you're in, I guess you're going to have to go again, really. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I've been talking to some relevant people, you know, in terms of what we're, what we're trying to achieve uh, this week and just saying it, it, it never stays still. It changes all the time, like how we need to respond, the situation, how we assess it, how we, you know, know, the accounts have come out this week. There's been, there's always something new to look at. There's always something new to respond to. Shares coming in and and for a bit there, we we allowed ourselves to get giddy and think we're going to get clear of this. And then you've got what's happened over the last six games. Is it, is it difficult, Rob, to get people to think more long term? Because football fans are so fickle, it flips and flops from game to game, doesn't it? We've won a game, we're all right, we've lost a game, we're doomed. It's like, you know, people tend to flip and flop game by game. Like, for me, like, the goal went in today against Mansfield. Everyone started jumping up cheering, and I was I was happy the goal had gone in, but 
I'm straight away thinking, well, there's a long way to go in this match yet before before I'm going to get excited. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the bigger picture all the time and, you know, it's exhausting actually doing that. But was that the biggest challenge? Because for me, Rob, that's the biggest challenge. It's getting people to think long term. I don't, next season to me doesn't matter. It, for now, it's about like mobilizing the troops, getting people on board, getting these lot out and galvanizing and pulling people together because we need help. With the trust needs help. We need help. It's exhausting at the minute. We're not going to stop, but we do need help and we do need support. So I, I know I keep kind of like looping around and nearly getting to the question, Rob, but like it, the question is, was that the biggest challenge for your trust was to get people to think in the long term rather than the short term? I think in our in our terms, it was it felt more like a good versus evil kind of debate rather than you know please for god's sake just do something competent for once in your life which is where i think you largely seem to be and i, and I think that the job that you have actually is harder than the one that we had in that respect our big challenges actually were around trying to get the efl or somebody to take our situation seriously that was the big challenge for us just just on that robbie um you you seem to be when you contribute on a when the blues Certainly clued up, knowledgeable, but but your trust, Blackpool Supporters Trust, seems to be quite heavily involved in the Tracy Crouch potential legislative changes. Is that something you're personally involved in, or is it just something that you're aware of because your trust are heavily involved in? Um, and and what what changes do you expect to see in in the near future? Well, starting with our involvement first, we were one of the trusts that were invited to give verbal evidence to Tracy and to the panel because of our history. Uh, so that was the first thing. The second thing is that we we were very heavily involved in the FSA's work leading up to the FSA's own evidence. I am the co-author of the chapter of the FSA's evidence on regulation. You know, I, I okay. wrote not all of that, but a big portion of it. I was also involved in the um, chapter on supporter engagement. We wrote about 30 pages of written evidence of our own to the panel. Subsequent to the Crouch report being published, I'm now working on an FSA group, which is looking at um, legislation and bigger questions around capacity building around the trust movement nationally. So there's a lot going on. and I'm certainly centrally involved in it and we also have Christine is on the National Council of the FSA and Tony Wilkinson, who is also on our trust board, is, is on the, the national board of the FSA. So, you know, one way or another, we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of ways into the debate and, and we are very, very active. We are actually getting a little bit of stick from one or two of our um, uh, one or two elements among our support who who think that we should leave all the national pitch stuff behind and just focus on the relationship with the club. But we think that we should continue to do both. So that's that's our involvement in terms of what I'm expecting. The key issue is: Are we going to get legislation, and are we going to get it soon? I'm sure that we will get legislation because to introduce a regulator that's worth a damn, it will have to be enshrined in law. Um, the key question is, is it going to be in the legislative programme for 2022-2023? Uh, we won't know that until the Queen's speech in May. Um, a lot of people are making the right noises, but, you know, I'm not counting any of those chickens until I can see that they've hatched. But whether we get a bill this year or whether we, whether we have to wait another year for it, I don't think it would be disappointing if we don't want to get one this year. But Tracy talks about having a shadow regulator if we if there's any delay in getting it in. And I think that will be important as well. So I think we need to road test some of the things that she's talking about bringing in. There are a lot of practical questions around introducing shadow boards at clubs. I think that will be a feature. The trust, your trust, will find itself, I think, holding a golden share and will have veto rights over certain heritage matters. The club's going to have to introduce independent, non-exec directors uh, and deal with a, a shadow board which is made up of fans. And I think we'll get a new revenue distribution deal of one kind or another, which clubs of the size of Oldham and Blackpool will probably benefit from. That's going to be difficult, I think, but, but I expect that to happen. And then there's re the regulation itself. I think it will come in. The kind of regulatory model that we've asked for is one that is not just all about waving a big stick. It's also about promulgating good practice, you know, about judging football clubs against their peers trying to drive standards up, you know, at the pace of the best clubs rather than 
allowing it all to be dragged down to the worst and introducing um, something that, that enables, you know, the, the, the big problems like the Derby counties of this world to be dealt with at source rather than letting them get to the stage that they did. I guess a question for me is, I don't actually know the answers to this question, so it's going to be a revealing moment when you answer it, is let's say for the sake of argument that, that legislation and a regulator becomes enshrined in law for the sake for the sake of argument next season. And there is a redistribution of, of, of monies which allows uh, clubs to be more sustainable and there's all this shadowing of boards and, and everything that, that the golden share, which is what we learned, which was a Brentford model, I think, wasn't it? Brentford did it, did it very early on the golden share. That's so all that sort of stuff. Does that reach as far as the national league or not? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking, Andy. Yeah, I think that's what um, I was thinking. Tracy's proposal. <laughs> is that this will reach all the way down to tier five, which is the top level of the National League. Right. <laughs> so, so, we might, so we might be all right next season, but we'll be screwed when we're in the conference not a year later. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I mean, when looking at, I think that that's absolutely right. It has to be like that, doesn't it? When you look at the National League and, you know, and we are looking at the National League now. And we're, we're, we're peering down. It's like a, a big dark cavernous well that we're looking over the edge of and um but when you look at the money that's down there it, it's it's basically it's, it's fast becoming the fifth professional tier of english football isn't it i mean english football in it is magnificent for that it really is i mean it's it's the finest football league structure in the world we we're obsessed with it and 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 it's brilliant uh, but for, for the likes of us going down on the budget that we're on we're going to struggle hugely so it's mad i mean Never, in fact, I mean, I think I don't this off the top of my head, completely un, unfounded. But like, in terms of the, the the wealth gap, the National League wealth gap has got to be amongst the the, the biggest in, in in those divisions. You would say, wouldn't you? I mean, the the, well, the clubs at the top of the National League compared to the clubs at the bottom, there's a huge you know proportional wealth gap, isn't there? Well, I mean, you, 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 I guess the Premier League would, would beat any of those out of part. Of course, but, but for the rest of the divisions, well, you yeah, know. Well, I, I guess only only because you've got the likes of now Wrexham uh, with a load of a load of money behind them, and you've got uh, the likes of Stockport that are obviously reasonably well financed now. Whereas at the bottom end, it's going to be pretty. But the point you make is, if we go down, which is highly highly likely, and we have not got shut of these owners, so that Alan can start returning. Supporting his club again, uh, it, we are going to be knackered next year. Yeah. We're going to be we're going to be exactly like Southend are, just fighting at the bottom end to stay up because we're not going to be able to compete with the top six or seven clubs in that league. And for, for those that probably want to point out, well, Halifax are not particularly well funded, but they're near the top. Okay, but they're not badly run, and they've got a reasonable head coach who used to be ours. <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be knackered if we don't get. They've got to go. They've got to go soon in order for us to stand any chance. And so, you know, that, that, that's, that's really where we've, got, where we've got to bottom out. If you just come back to the fact that if you listen to Robbie, well, I'll tell you what's interesting listening to Robbie. And, it, and Christine was still probably, probably my favourite uh, interview because she was just so effervescent and, and really interesting to talk to. Blackpool have gone through their shenanigans and they've got three people there that Robbie mentioned that are involved at a national level dealing with the government on issues that, that, that relate to football. And our trust, led by people like Barry Owen, historically, have literally done nothing. They've done nothing. They did nothing for our club. Well, I'm and about then, to say. I guess the, on, the, the, the only person you could argue, I think Philippa was involved in some FSA stuff in, yeah. in the most sort of recent board. But apart from that, you know, it, it's. It, I just find that you know. I know you're on there, Matt, and you're up against it. But we do need to get our trust in such a manner and a way that it, it is in you know nationally respected amongst other other trusts. You know, I, I listen to somebody like Robbie talking about you know what he's talking about there, and that, that's all that stuff's over my head, right? Mm. It's over my head. This is not. I'm not an expert in that kind of stuff, and. I'm never going to be, and I'm not that kind of person. I'm not uh, sitting down looking at the details of regulation and doing this. I'm a sort of more of a sort of broader, bigger, bigger vision, banging on a drum and getting people moving kind of guy. That's my kind of thing. And there's a time and a place for everything and everybody. But, you know, we need to move our foundation. What was blindingly obvious was that our trust was, and I'm, I, people seem to think 
particularly people who were on the, the old trust, that I'm, I, I'm like pointing fingers at individuals. I'm not. I'm looking at what it's achieved or what it's not achieved and, and just talking about it as a whole. And, it, you know, it wasn't doing what it should have been doing. And a lot of that is down to Barry Owen leading it astray. Um, we, well, we've covered that over and over again. But what we need is we need people who are qualified to run our trust. And, I, and what I want to do with this is try and get find those people and put them in place, put them in situ. I don't want to be doing this forever. I'm, I, I very much feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because... When we made, when we, when we made, had the campaign on the on the pod last summer to try and get people to come on, nobody would. <laughs> so I, I felt like obliged to come on and, and and put myself forward because nobody else was doing. So, you know, we've got to have people like Rob who who are, you know, prepared to sit down and and, and go through things thoroughly. It's a lot of the trust work is, is 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 about diligence. It's it's you know from my point of view, I would consider it to be very boring. At the minute, we're not in that situation. We're in a very much a sort of like we're just in a sort of like trying to fight for our club kind of situation. But in the long term, in the future, what we want is ten to twelve people on that board, a position filled for for every sort of skill set. We've talked about this over and over, Andy, and. This brings us back around to that point that I said it earlier on. We need help. We need support. We need people on our board uh, and helping our board and helping our trust. And the fans of this football club are going to have to come together. Our darkest days are ahead of us. If we get relegated into the National League, everyone's going to have to come together. It's crucially important. Um, we've, we've heard it from stories from, from fans of Stockport, Brentford, Leighton Orient, blah, blah, blah. But I think we are getting there. I think we are getting there. I think... Through things like the podcast, through the push the boundary, you know, OASF, we are getting there. But I think we've got our hardest days are ahead of us. I do believe that. It does yeah. sound like a full time job, but Robbie's doing, to be fair, he's Blackpool Trust, obviously involved with the FSA. That is a lot of work to take on. Do you work alongside that, Robbie? Have you got a day job or? I'm, I'm retired. And it's just as well, actually, because I reckon that if you come, I'm secretary to the trust. No, oh, we've lost him. I have a question, and he's well, got your answer anyway. He's retired, so we know it that much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think in in there lies lies another comment. Is 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 yes, you do need people that have have got time to commit, and if you've got retirees with really good skill sets and really good sort of working experiences and CVs in finance or in legal or in, 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 in other sort of, you know, departments that, that are obviously transferable, then that's, that's superb. Obviously, you know, what we don't really need is retired policemen because I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure that, not sure that skill sets that a copper can. And I say that, I say that, uh, I say that with, uh, with my late father being one. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure their their skill sets are necessarily that that relevant, un, unless you want to start shutting down stands because of health and safety or other other such like. Well, while we're on that, while we lost Robbie, you know, if we just if we just go to, I don't, I don't want to give him loads of airtime, but you know, the tweet this week: you can complain as much as you want, you get what you pay for. Those of you uh, calling for protests, boycotts, and starving the club of funds means you finish up with little money and in an embargo. Those responsible have played their part in this debacle of a season. Bollocks, isn't it? I mean, Absol last season was actually, no one could attend anyway because of COVID. So well, there was no boycotts even possible. The, the, the thing we did with last week's episode, because we wanted to point out just, just the inconsistencies and the inability to uh, stick, stick to the same story and just constantly moving around, it's just abhorrent, and I, and I just can't, and everybody sh everybody should hear it for what it is. Well, in exactly the same way, here's what he said in May 2020 about the budget. Despite the fact that the FL said to clubs, "Don't launch your season ticket sales too early. Don't launch yet." Now, what do Oldham do? Because Abdallah knows he has to probably bring somebody in early to keep going during the summer. He launches his season ticket sales. What do we do at Oldham? We'll, what I call a, f a fire sale of season tickets at prices that are so ridiculous, it's unbelievable. You cannot sell tickets at that price and sustain a football club. Can we ask you about the loans while we're here on Abdallah? Look, 
much simpler this. That 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 isn't something you you might want to just uh, point your finger at Oldham for. It's just put it as the warning signs. When I sat in the FO meetings, if you remember, the um, the Premier League put fifty million over, and there was a share out between the the Championship club weren't involved because their money had to be by way of um, loans. But there was a grant facility given to the first and second division clubs. And it was done in two tiers. The first lot was an equal payment of a certain amount of money to each club. And the second amount was based on a formula. Now, what they did, the FL, and quite rightly so, they took that on the basis of 30 million from the 50 million. And they left the 20 million on one side so that clubs could apply for loans, not grants, loans. And that was interest-free, but it carried the problem of conditions. So you were immediately under embargo. You had certain restrictions on you with wages, the types of players you could sign. So it does have conditions with it. Now, I think I'm right in saying that they're probably in, they're not in double figures, they're in single figures, the number of clubs that have applied for loans out of that figure, and Oldham will be one of them. So you're robbing, all you're doing is robbing Peter for bare pole because if, for argument's sake, you borrow half a million, when it comes round to receiving your solidarity payment, you ain't going to be able to take the solidarity. He was clearly saying at that time that the reason that we were screwed uh, financially was because of season ticket prices and because we were under embargo. He had nothing to do with supporters. And and he, he just flips and flops, like you said, uh, you know, regarding whatever he he, he decides is his is his particular plaything at that moment in time. People should ignore him. We're going to ignore him, and hopefully we'll get rid of him soon. Last week's podcast was an expose, if you like, on him because he's because he's worming his way back into the football club, and he's getting his way back in because nobody else will deal with him. You know, like we 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 alluded to earlier on today, there's no director at the game again. You know, Adam's down in London. Mohammed, you know, he's he's not at the games anyway, even though he's in the country. Abdallah's away. This, you know, it's it's pathetic. We've got some big, 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 big decisions ahead of us because we did the survey. We asked fans if the Lemsingums are in charge next season, what are we going to do if we go down? It's always going to be tugging at our heartstrings. If we go down next season and the Lemsingums are in charge, a lot of us are going to want to go to the games. We're going to want to try and... Because our instinct is going to be, let's get behind the team, let's put some money in, let's get out of the National League as quickly as possible. That's going to be our instinct. We're going to, That's what we're all going to want to do. But if we do that, are we endorsing the ownership? We've met, We've done the survey, not over 90, well over 90% of people said that they, that they were going to boycott if they're in charge next season. Couple that with going down, it's going to be really tough. The, the, I just wonder, have we got it in us? Have we got it in us to make the tough decisions like Blackpool have done? But, you know, that's why it was really good to get to get Robbie on because they had to make, you know, he said it got to a point where 90% of people boycotted the game. It, it, it's, we're going to get to that point. We are like, you know, Alan, you've laid your cards down and you've stuck to them. You know, I've said I'm not putting another penny in and I have. I've come along because here we are. We all wanted to try and, if it, if it made some little bit of difference in getting in getting the you know behind the team and and, and saving us in in the AFL, it might still do. We, you know, it might still. We don't know yet. But we've got some very very big decisions to make going forward, and it's going to be tough, isn't it, Alan? It's going to be really really oh, tough. I mean, I the um, I think it was Patrick that put on the a question on the forum this week about season tickets next year. A lot most people who've replied have said. They're not going to get one if the Lemsigans are still in charge. We did have this last year as well, I must admit, but people aren't going to buy a season ticket. The Lemsigans are in charge. You're down another division. They're not going to buy a ticket. Season ticket, it's just... I mean, they will still be the diehards. Of course they will. But, nah, it's... Like like you say, Matt, I think it's going, it's going to become a Blackpool, 90%. It's got to be. Or else, it's just going to carry on. We're going to be going down another division. I think this yeah. is the thing. I think that like you just used the term diehards there. Like you know, it's almost like kind of connotations of it being like a badge of honour. You know, I'll be there regardless. 
it doesn't make you more of a fan. One of the things that Barry no. and, 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 and all these are, a real fan or a true fan. That is nonsense. There's no such thing as a real... Every, every fan supports the club in their own way. It doesn't make you any more or any less of a supporter than anybody else. I've been living in Dublin for 10 years, right? Every single Saturday, this is like we were talking about it before, before I follow, not every single Saturday, any way possible of getting a feed or something to know what the score is, a text offer for anyone, keep me updated. Because you can't be there doesn't mean you're any less of a fan. So that's nonsense. This true fan thing, you're a real fan, bollocks. So that we can throw that out the window. I think that fans who are prepared to make sacrifices, sacrificing time, sacrificing money, putting money into this fund. But what we're trying to do, everybody on the board at OASF wants the best for the f- future of this football club. Not that, nothing else. Andy made a good point last week. Regarding the pledge, that I think that's the way forward. Well, in my mind, anyway, the way forward is pledge the money. You're not putting money up front. It's it's there, and then when it's needed, bring I the agree, money Alan. It's positive. I think positive action at this point uh, supersedes protest. Uh, I, it's the same way that like, you, you know you're like going to a to going to a game and clapping. Never saved a football club. Protesting is one thing, staying away. But for in our position, when when the club is for sale, in theory, having the money to buy it, having the money to do something, is far more important. So that positive action, putting our money into something positive, for me, is the best solution going forward. Yeah, uh, and and so you, you you come back to sort of the the, the money side of it is like, like Alan said there from the pledge. I, I'd be prepared to put. A substantial sum of money in for me, but I sort of want to know that everyone else is going to do the same. <laughs> because yeah. if if four thousand fans put two hundred and fifty quid in each, we've got a million quid. If we've got mm-hmm. a million quid, we can sit at a table. We can talk about what table we want to sit at. For me, the table we want to sit at is one with Simon Blitz on the other side of it. Yeah, because I would want to start with the with the hard assets first. And that would be, you know, alongside, hopefully, a consortium of some description. So yeah. if we could get private financing as well, uh, maybe we could mortgage part of it, but we could contribute a certain amount, like a down payment, free raise from fans. We could then get to a position whereby we own uh, the stadium. Then we are Abdallah and Mohammed's landlord. That then is a slightly different, you know, a slightly different set of circumstances. Yeah. Then we can think about the club. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be paying a million quid for the football club. It's not worth a million. Well, quid. we know now. We've seen the accounts. It's not <laughs> worth anything. Is well, it? Let's, well, so while, so while we're on the accounts, so the accounts that were that were filed at Company's House for up to the year twenty one. I mean, the interesting point to note here is: Did the foundation, Matt, get sight of these before they were published? No. As a three percent shareholder, you should. That's <laughs> literally our only entitlement, but it wasn't. It wasn't put forward. No, exactly. So you've you've got you've got all of this sort of nonsense going on that that needs addressing. You know, because the the owners are just simply you know not up to it. If that's well, let's look at it, Andy. We, we look at the board at the cl- football club. It's Abdallah Moore yeah. and Adam Morley. Adam Morley. I've been trying to get hold of Adam Morley all week. He's in court. He's a he's a you know he's a lawyer. He's, he's a barrister, or whatever. He's in court, right? So I. It, Oh, I'll give you a call, you know, hopefully next week I'll speak to him. More, well, you're not going to get to speak to more. Abdallah, you're not going to get to speak to... So who is running the club? From uh, that, The board is effectively useless at the football club. Steve Brown's the general manager. Paul Hughes is a volunteer. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Who is who is at the football club going to reach out to the, to the foundation and say, oh, we're about to publish the accounts, by the way? And then you'll get people like Barry, oh, you've destroyed the relationship. Well, let's remember, when, when the foundation and the, and the trust had and I'm doing air quotes, a relationship. All that meant was that the club just took the piss out of the foundation anyway. And 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 the situation is dire. It is dire. There is no relationship between the foundation and the club. We know that. Oh, so I, I don't like using the word the club because the club is everything. The club is Boundary Park. It's the team. It's the fans. It's the history. It's everything. We're talking about the owners. We're talking about the Lemsigams and Adam Morley, basically, because they are the board of directors, right? And Barry Owen clinging on, sucking as much life out of it as he possibly can do to feed his own demonic energy, right? So that's where we're at with that. So it's a mess. So Andy, let's go back to the accounts. 
<laughs> I mean, they're obviously as we've as we touched on before because because we're a because the size of the business is a, 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 in effect a small business. They don't need to be audited, and and therefore they're publishing abridged accounts. So some people in the profession of finance would say they're not worth the paper they're written on. I'm, I'm sure, but if you look at the numbers, it's just a litany of negative numbers, which is you know pretty concerning. So you know, <laughs> shareholder funds minus three million pounds, <laughs> uh, and then and then you look at some of the details. You know, cash at bank like forty odd grand. Debtors is down to two hundred grand from from nearly half a million quid. Creditors is is pretty static at three three million pounds. It looks like in the last twelve months we're probably a hundred grand better off year on year. But then you've got to bear in mind the fact that we've had loans, business interruption loans, grants from the Premier League. Then of course we've got the loan from the from the Premier League that sits us under you know sees us under embargo, which is why we're in the bottom two. So he's had a lot of income this year. So he's he's barely put any in really, which is which is why we are where we are. And so, in in effect, the club is insolvent. And then you've got. So when this- Abdallah came out to us, Andy, and said that he's done a lot of hard work, they've worked very, very hard to get rid of all the debt that was that was incumbent when they took over from Simon Corney. What have they actually? What has actually been done? Because it doesn't look like they've sorted anything out, does it? They've said that basically it was such a mess that they've spent all this time sorting all this out, and we should be grateful to them for, for sorting all this out, but. Actually, looking at the accounts, doesn't look like they've done anything, does it? Well, I mean, we could, for a future episode, get the last set of accounts out that were published under Corny. But I'd remember there was a debt right down there, which is basically, you know, Blitz writing debts off. And also then you've got the debenture being paid off and what have you. But in the short answer to it is no. The, the, the state of the accounts is, is barely, barely any better, if at all. And, you, and you've got this other contingent liability of nearly 900 grand, which is a potential VAT bill. Which, which which sits there. So this guy cannot afford to keep us going and he needs to go. He needs to sell it. He needs and, to and give it, it away, Andy. Well, he doesn't give need it to away. sell yeah, it, yeah, does he? He needs to give worth, it away. It's not worth a penny. Not, no. It's literally, literally not worth it. You know, it, it, I'd buy it for a pound and I wouldn't well, pay. So now we're, so now we're bringing, but let's, so now let's bring in, imagine a, a, a portly... Ex policeman walking up the steps of your your local courtrooms with a with a big file under his arm. I've got the evidence here. I've got the evidence. This this stand was stolen from Thoudham Athletic, right? Mm. Presenting it, so we you know that we've got the court case. Well, uh, what, what does that achieve, Andy? What what does this litigation that Barry Owen has has, has helped the the club put forward against the landlord? How? <laughs> Well, does that as, does that return any of that you know that money that that, that Abdallah claims he's put in? Where does that? How does that all work out? No, it doesn't. It, it it just doesn't. Like the if if you take if you go with Barry's line of thinking, which is the stand was there was a grant supplied by the local council, and be clear the the, the grant was for the sake of argument seven hundred thousand pounds, and and the build cost of that of that stand was well in excess of that number. If you listen to Simon Blitz, he'll tell you it's probably worth five million quid and he put three and a half million quid of his own money into it and whatever else. But it, it was well in excess of that. Let's say for the sake of argument that, that Barry's, Barry's attempt at litigation with Brand Smith's help works. As far as I see it, there's just 700 grand that's coming back. But that, Abdallah will probably be happy with that 700 grand. So all really Barry is doing is trying to help Abdallah get seven hundred grand back, so he can sail off into the sunset with seven hundred grand in his back pocket. He's not doing. He's not the stand. If if the stand is to return into the name of of Oldham Athletic two thousand four limited, somebody's going to have to pay Blitz the difference between seven hundred grand and the bill cost. <laughs> not just going to so how does this, So how does this litigation, which is in the name of Oldham Athletic, remember, not Abdallah Lemsigan? Help Oldham Athletic because if Oldham Athletic lose this case, Oldham Athletic will be liable for the costs, won't they? Not Abdallah Lemsigam. So there's more that you can add on to the debt of the football club, which somebody I, else I, is going to have to pick up. I simply don't see how it is going to help Oldham Athletic. It, it, it helps the owner potentially get some money back. The, the, the other thing to bear in mind here is um, you've got a, you've got a firm of solicitors running it. The solicitors will potentially earn out of it. So Brandsmiths can can you know they're, they're not doing it for free. <laughs> so there's there's like income in it for them. 
So Brandsmiths are motivated to do it because it's you know a bit of a free hit. Uh, Abdallah's motivated to do it because you might try and get some money back. Uh, Barry's just been a smart ass. I don't. It's not going to help the club. It, in fact, it's but, it's helping to elongate our pain. Is what it's doing. Brandsmiths are billing Old Athletic for their time, aren't they? For this, they're not yeah, billing Abdallah Lemsigam, are they? Because uh, the claimant is Old Athletic, right? Sure. But 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 at this moment, so it's time, all adding name, to the. But it's all adding to the debt, isn't it? It's all adding yeah, to the debt. It is. Yeah, yeah, That's it the is. Point. Uh, yeah, and and so, but but nobody, you're not going to get a new owner is going to come and pay that money. So you know, uh, so it's either it's either going to be a further nail in our coffin towards you know administration, or 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 it's just going to let Abdallah get some money out of it. I, there is nothing that I can see that's positive for the football club out no. of this. And while we're at it. Uh, as you know, because I, I messaged you on Friday, I contacted my mate at the courts and there is still no paperwork there yet, filed at court, and there is literally one week to go before April the 1st. So we find out on Friday, hopefully, assuming that, that the paperwork is filed on time, because a bit like companies house, sometimes the paperwork isn't filed to some time afterwards. Maybe it will be submitted on time and we'll find out later, but I'll have another look and we'll find out hopefully soon enough. But yeah, the state of the accounts is a mess. Barry's a mess. We we need to raise money so that we can put ourselves in a strong position to help save the club. And so I would deplore anybody who's thinking, you know, thinking about thinking of the future, the bigger picture. We all need to come together and and put a lot of money in that pot. And you and I Matt we're going to try and work on a campaign that will allow us to advertised to people that this is what how we're going to do it and then hopefully everyone can come can come together well I'll bring robbie in in a second but you know i'm getting a lot of stick from here and there and whatnot but i don't really care it's it, it's tiring we're going to keep working hard it's nasty none of this stuff that we want to we don't want to be talking about any of this it's horrendous and we, we've just got to keep fighting there's a, we have a real fight on our hands to save our football club. And we've just got to keep fighting. We've just got to keep going because it's worth it at the end of the day. Robbie, what's it like for you now? Like, are you able to enjoy the football again? And, and how does that feel after <laughs> everything that you went through? What was it like at the end? What's the light at the end of the tunnel like? Obviously, there's a great deal of positivity around our club since Mr. Sadler took it on. Albeit that period when we were in receivership was very worrying. But we came through that. It hasn't been smooth, linear pro progress all the way. I think the appointment of Simon Grayson as manager was probably a misstep. But since we brought Critchley in, who's an outstanding coach, it looks good. The recruitment model for players is good. There's a huge amount of investment in, in infrastructure as well as on the playing side. Genuine feel-good factor around the club. We're competing a division higher than we were and, com and competing well. So... That looks good. Everybody's looking towards the summer, excited, you know, about the prospects of a further investment for presumably a, a, a real kick on to try and get in the top six next year. Uh, we're not actually out of the out of the picture for the top six this year yet, which I think is, you know, that's an outstanding achievement, really, to be able to say that. So it it, it, it does all look uh, positive. You feel as though there are, there are good and progressive things to look forward to. You know, it's exciting to see how far this managerial regime can take the club. That, that's the kind of thing that we wanted. It's the kind of thing that we aimed for. We went through our own stages of flirting with the idea of whether we could take a, an equity share in the club. But, it, you know, for a variety of reasons, it was never really all that feasible for us. But your club needs a new culture. Uh, and I don't think that new culture is going to come from the people who own it at the moment. So... You know, one way or another, I think this ownership issue has to be resolved pretty soon. I actually thought the stadium that they, the, the statement that they issued about selling the club was too ambivalent for my taste. It, I, I would have liked it to have been a bit more equivocal and, you know, set some, some timelines around what they're going to do and when they're going to do it by. Because at the moment, I think you're having to take a, quite a bit on trust. So I think you're right to be skeptical about, you know, where you, where you are and where you're likely to be in six months time, which is why it's important to keep the pressure on all the fronts that you're doing. And to the extent that you're trying to divert people into pledging money to you rather than pledging it to season ticket sales for next year, I think that's a good thing. One thing I wanted to say was, you know, Matt's touched a couple of times on the capacity issues and 
and how difficult it is. Um, all I can say on behalf of our trust is we will help you out in any way that we can. And if that's meetings to discuss particular issues or sharing documentation that we've generated in the past, which we've done a little bit of recently, just keep in touch and let us know because having been there, you know, we remember what it's like and we don't want other people going through it if we can possibly avoid it. Thanks, Robbie. And, you know, we've said this numerous times, haven't we, Andy? The, the reaction that we've had from other supporters' trust has just been exceptional. And, and, you know, having you on today is, you know, basically is a result of how, how supportive you've been and, and how the, the, the ease at which you've forwarded information, how, you know, you've just, you know, you, you've offered, you've offered advice, you've offered your help very very easily you've not been reluctant in any way shape or form and, and it's and it's it's really appreciated and i think that that finding our feet in that kind of wider football family of clubs that are, that are we're all most clubs are struggling and and it's only a matter of time it seems for 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 clubs to be in the position that blackpool are in that we are in uh, and obviously what what you're talking about at the national level is is hopefully something's going to come along which is going to sort of halt that to some degree but have you got a message, Robbie, for the Latics fans at this moment in time? If I had one message, it would be, don't give up. It's your club and it's worth fighting for. It's got a rich history. It's part of the fabric of the game in this country, as far as I'm concerned. Anytime you spend fighting for it, it's time well spent. And you've got examples like Blackpool who show that if you're only one bad away owner away from disaster, you're also only one good owner away from better times. You know, as long as you can fight for that, then there is always hope. And Alan, what would you what would you say to Latics fans that are listening now? Like Robbie said, don't give up. We need to we need to get rid of these owners. That's it's imperative. You look at other clubs that have bounced back. I was took Stockport a long time. I was looking at the other day at Macclesfield. Under Robbie Savage just took over the all right, Robbie Savage isn't everybody's cup of tea. They bounce they're, they're on verge of promotion. You get the right owners in, as Robbie says. All right, the right owners might take some finding. We can get there, we can. Yeah. You look at Luton. L- Luton were in non league a little while ago. They're in the they're in the playoffs in the championship. You know, you just think to yourself, Christ alive. It is doable. Yeah, it is doable, but we've the most inspiring stories that we've heard, Andy from fans, from other clubs, is they rolled their sleeves up and they, they did it. They got stuck in. So my message to the, to the, to the Latics fans is to do just that. Turning up at Boundary Park and clapping will do nothing. We've got to put money into, into a fund and we've got to be focused on using that money for the benefit of our football club. It's all there for the taking, but it's up to us. And if you can't afford to, de- to dedicate money, dedicate time, if you can't afford to dedicate time, dedicate money. But it's got to be one or the other because if you want to go to Boundary Park on a Saturday afternoon and watch Latics in any division, you've got to earn that right. We've got to earn that right. Blackpool fans earn the right to have their club potentially competing into the in the top six in the championship because of the work that they put in attracted the, the their owner. Stockport County fans earned the right to have the success that they're bound to be having now. They're going to win the, the National League and they're going to keep going up while we go down. But they've earned it because they stuck in, they rolled the sleeves up. We've got to earn that right. It's like you can't, football, the players out on the pitch today have got to earn the right to win that game. We've got to do the same. It's exactly the same situation. Let's get this season out of the way and let's hope to goodness that we're in the Football League. Well, regardless of what happens, it's up to us. The Boundary Park Alert System is produced by Matt Dean and Andy Halliwell for QPod Productions and fans of Oldham Athletic all over the world. We'd like to thank Push the Boundary for their continued support and all the fans who listen every week, particularly those who get involved. The pod is and always will be free, but you can donate just $2.99 per month to help us fund it by the link in the show notes. If you'd like to make a one-off donation, please contact us directly. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or contribute in any way, please email bpalertsystem at gmail.com contact us on facebook instagram and twitter at oafc podcast or visit our website oafcpodcast.co.uk where you can also read arlene's weekly blog all my athletic supporters foundation need your help to raise a minimum
minimum of £1 million as soon as possible for the 1895 fund. We're working with PTB and all like-minded supporters to raise enough money to be at the table in a bid to save our club. Visit AuthorAthleticSupportersFoundation.com to pledge as much as you can afford to help us reach this target before the end of this season. Visit PushTheBoundary.co.uk to find out more about their efforts to give fans a voice. We're also proud to bring you the Latix Football Phone in live every Thursday night from 7 till 8pm at youtube.com forward slash the Boundary Park Alert System. Catch up there now if you've missed any. Make sure, it's taking a while isn't it? Make sure you help change the game by downloading the Fan Hub app and listening to us from there. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion and you can learn more by visiting Red Laser records.bandcamp.com Thanks for listening and remember you can have it all but how much do you want it? See you next week.